Our next storyteller. Next storyteller. Your next storyteller. Our next storyteller. Hello and welcome to The Narrators. This podcast collects stories from our live events where people share true stories based on a theme. Hey there, it's Ron. Okay, so I know it's become a bit of a marketing cliche, but I still get really excited every year when June rolls around and we get to celebrate Pride. Perhaps I'm revealing my age a little bit, but it's been really inspiring to watch the event evolve over the years from the tiny little parade on a single day into this month-long rainbow-festooned love fest that it is today. And it feels so good to finally hear folks all over the world shouting from the rooftops that all love is equal. But Pride is also an important time for reflection and remembering how things were in the hopes that we never go back. So in honor of Pride this year, here's a story from Jamie Brickhouse. Jamie is an author, performer, four-time Moth Slam champion who's been featured on PBS's Stories from the Stage, Risk, Story Collider, and so many other places. In this story, Jamie talks about his first boyfriend and how a small mind interfered with big love. He told this story live at Bumport Theater on May 15th, 2019. The theme of the evening was Alter Egos. Um, I met my first boyfriend in first grade. I was a precocious child. Um, Eric Munson was his name, and we were both in Mrs. Chambers' class in Bumfuck, Beaumont, Texas, um, in the 1970s. And we met the way most budding homosexuals meet. In PE class, far on the sidelines of the playing field. And he looked at me and he said, I sure do like your pretty red hair. And I said, I like your pretty blue eyes. And he had these light blue eyes. They were unlike any other blue eyes I had ever seen. I mean, I was only six, but still. And they were like the same color as the aquamarine ring that Mrs. Chambers always wore in class. So while the other boys played a savage game of dodgeball, ugh, remember that? I mean, kids are cruel enough as it is. Why encourage them? Eric and I discussed our very favorite episodes of Bewitched. Now, for those of you who don't know about Bewitched, and I hear some of you do, it was that 1960s sitcom about a beautiful blonde witch named Samantha, married to a mortal, Darren, and her meddlesome drag queen of a mother, Endora. Remember Endora? Oh. Oh, was she fantastic? I mean, with that flaming red hair that was teased up into giant sausage curls and her sky blue eyeshadow that perfectly matched her sky blue flowing chiffon gown. Oh, she was eye candy to a couple of boys like Eric and me. So pretty soon, Eric and I were playing Bewitched on a regular basis. And Samantha was my first alter ego. So I played Samantha. But Eric was so homosexually advanced, he played Endora. I mean, he could perfectly mimic her drag queen gestures as he would cast a tornado of spells, whirling his arms and sucked in cheeks and arched eyebrows. (laughs) Eric could always outdo me on the Sissy Fabulous scale. Now, in the afternoons and during coloring time, Eric would make me love poems on manila paper. Things like, roses are red, violets are blue, your red hair is pretty, and so are you. I know, isn't that sweet? And and I remember when I showed one of his uh, love poems to Mrs. Chambers, she just looked at it and she said, isn't that something? 
So in the evenings, Eric and I would have long phone conversations. And I would cradle the receiver between my ear and my shoulder and lethargically twirl the long squiggly cord like a jump rope. And I would mock file my nails. And Eric and I would take cues from uh, our mothers, the way they spoke, and from soap operas, the way women spoke on there. And he would say things like, "Um, now, honey, I'm not going to be at Bridge Club tomorrow. I'm getting my hair done. So you better not let those other girls talk trash about me. Oh, honey, I've got you. I've got your back. Don't you worry. And I would end all of our conversations the same way. Well, let me let you go. Which is how my mother ended her phone conversations when it was really she who wanted to be let go. It's the southern way of dropping someone, you know. So Mrs. Chambers was as equally enamored of me and my pretty red hair as Eric was, and my feelings for her were mutual. She had a big personality, bubble of brunette hair, bright makeup that was punctuated by frosted pink lips. She was like a movie star to me. So I often stayed after school to be her special little helper. And on one of those after-school afternoons, she called me over to her desk. Jamie, I want to have a little talk with you. I loved little talks with big people. (laughs) So I ran over to her desk, and I looked up at her. Jamie, do you know what a sissy is? And my eyes zeroed in on her frosted pink lips as she said, sissy. I think so. I don't know if I knew or if I intuitively knew, but I felt like I was in trouble. Well, Eric might be one. And the other boys might think you're one too if you hang around him too much. Maybe you should take a little break from him for a while. And she winked and ruffled my red hair. Just something to think about. I don't know how much I thought about it, But after that conversation, every time Eric came over to play, I kept making up lame excuses for why I couldn't. I remember the last time I saw him, he was stood there on my front porch after I had told yet another lie of why I couldn't come out and play. I think I said I was going to be playing cowboys and Indians with the other boys down the street. We both knew that was a fairy tale. (laughs) This time, though, he didn't protest. He just said, okay. His aqua blue eyes were moist. To break the awkward moment, I said the only thing I could think of to say. Well, let me let you go. He got on his bike and he pedaled away. Not long after that, my family moved across town to a new house and I changed school districts so I didn't see Eric anymore or Mrs. Chambers. But when I hit junior high, I had an epiphany. Mrs. Chambers was right. Eric is a sissy. And you know what? So am I. (laughs) Thank you. And I got on my bike and I rode across town determined to resume our game of Bewitched, but maybe I'd be Darren to his Samantha. And I rang the doorbell and a strange man answered, Hey, is Eric home? Who? Oh, The Munsons. No. They moved to Oklahoma years ago. I was too late. So I grew up, 
And I moved out of that small town of Beaumont, Texas, and I came to New York City for the bright lights and the booze and the drugs and the boys to lead my own sissy fabulous life. Thank you very much. And it was pretty fabulous for a long time, and the booze and the drugs made it even more so. But then, as the years went on, the fabulous turned into depression with the booze and the drugs, and I finally bottomed out on a suicide attempt. But I got sober, and after I was sober about a year and a half, I started going by the name Jeannie Earl. My drag name. Just a fun drag name. And I'm, in fact, oh, an award-winning drag queen. Not like a RuPaul kind of thing. You've never heard of me. I just do it for fun. And my partner started, and I started going out to um, Cherry Grove in Fire Island for the summer where we do drag every year for the annual, this thing called the Invasion. And we'd always win some sash. And when I would perform as Jeannie Earl, it was usually... Um, doing country songs, obscure country songs like Happy Hangovers and Backside of Dallas and things like that. But every time I did it, I thought of Eric. And I mean, I'd never forgotten him, of course. But in my mind, I imagined, I don't know why, but I felt like he might have had drugs and alcohol problems like I did. But I, I saw him as having channeling his, his talent for mimicking Endora into a great drag queen career. And a few years ago, I tried to find him, and I um, found someone on Facebook that I thought was a match, and I sent a message, and I imagined as soon as he opened it up, he would shoot back, is this Jamie, Jamie Brickhouse from Mrs. Chambers' class? Call me, girl! <laughs> and I'd call him, and I'd say, how are you? And he'd say, girl, I'm great. I'm doing drag in Philadelphia and I said, oh, I knew it. And I'm sober. Really, so am I. And I'm a drag queen. Well, not really, but I just do it for fun. And then I would say, I'm so sorry for letting Mrs. Chambers nip in the bud our friendship just as it was flowering. And he'd say, oh, girl, don't worry about it. We were just kids. And she was just a small town cunt. But that didn't happen. I never got a response. And then I reconnected with another classmate from Mrs. Chambers. At first, I didn't know who I was talking to because he was a she back in first grade. So there must have been some creative juices in Mrs. Chambers' class that she doesn't realize was going on. But anyway, he had kept up with Eric. And it turns out that Eric, like me, had had his problems with alcohol and drugs. But unlike me, he never made it far from small towns in Texas and Oklahoma. And like me, he had attempted suicide, but he succeeded. Why did I make it and not him? And I would never be able to tell him that I'm sorry for the last words I said to him all those years ago. Well... Let me let you go. Thank you. Keep it going for Jamie Brickhouse.
The Narrators is produced by me, Ron Doyle, and Aaron Rollman, with help from Karen Wachtel, Jesse Witten, Scott Carney, and Sydney Crane. Please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast. You can listen for free anywhere you get your podcasts. Our live shows take place every third Wednesday of the month in Denver. For more information and past episodes, please visit our website, thenarrators.org. As always, we'd like to thank our sponsors, Bumport Theater Company, Illegal Pete's, From the Hip Photo, and Great Divide Brewing Company. Our theme music is by Whalehawk, and we would also like to thank TikTok, who provided the outro music you're listening to right now. You can find a link to their music in the show notes for this episode. We'll be back next Friday with another true story. Until then, thanks for listening.